Can you have relief factor on a fast? Might make my tummy. Well, I'd have to take four of them, so it kind of fill my tummy every minute. Wait a minute. If, like, let's say you're having something like Relief Factor. I don't know about Relief Factor if you have to take that with a meal. But if you're having a medicine that you have to take with a meal, you could totally work that into a fast. Right? That's not, I mean, it's, I, it's the kindness stuff on Easter weekend that we should remember. They aren't the people that killed Jesus, <laughs> you know, that were like, you know, like that guy, he's got to <laughs> shut up over there. Weren't they doing this kind of stuff? We're doing a lot of this. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So but I, we'll, you know, it's like communism. It's never really been done right. <laughs> and we can do it right. I, I kind of, you know, when it comes to like fasting and stuff, I kind of, because it involves God, I kind of look at it the same way I look at taxes. I don't want to even be close to the line. You know what I mean? <laughs> Probably a good you know, advice. An IRS agent showing up is bad enough. When you get a knock on the door from God, that's... Uh, you don't want that. Yeah, anyway, it's a great, great show today. You don't want to miss a second of it. Um, we talk about Easter. We talk about Easter bunnies. Uh, we We cover... We cover all the important stuff, so no bunnies involved. Um, all brought to you by Relief Factor. Going about your daily life when you're living in pain is like fasting. I am only six hours into this fast. It's this already really good. hard. Yeah, it's not good. I don't think you're supposed to complain about it either. Really? Yeah. What is I the point so. of a fast if you I don't think, complain about it? I know. I know. I think that just makes that starvation and not a fast. Mm. Anyway, uh, if you want to get out of pain, please just try Relief Factor. Please. It's not a drug, so it's not going to knock you out. Um, it's all natural. Attacks inflammation in our body, which is the source of most of our pain and our disease, believe it or not. Uh, so try it. it. It attacks it takes it down in about 70% of the people who try it, they go on to order more month after month. Try the three-week quick start. See if it doesn't make a difference in your life. Get your life back at relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com or the number 800-4-RELIEF. 800, the number 4-RELIEF. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. We're glad you're here. There's a lot going on uh, with the markets and the the latest job numbers. Uh, I got a note from somebody I really trust last night said, buckle up. Uh, It could be right around the corner. And I'm like, dude, I've been buckled up since 2008. It's always just around the corner. Uh, Carol Roth is with us. She is the uh, author of The War on Small Business. Uh, former investment banker, gone good. And she has a book also coming out this summer that makes a great companion book uh, with mine, You Will Own Nothing. In fact, I highly recommend if you're going to. And verify, Carol, I'm not getting any profits from your book, so I'm saying this because I believe it. Um, uh, It makes a great companion book with mine. Uh, So buy both of them. I have to say, Glenn, if you go on Amazon and they, you know, it's it's on pre-order right now. If they say the books frequently bought together, Are it's your book and my book. Yeah, so. good. Well, they belong. <laughs> they belong together. They belong together. Um, so I was just talking about something that I haven't seen anyone else talk about, uh, and that is the uh, J.P. Morgan Chase. Jamie Dimon comes out and says, "Hey, we got to start seizing land uh, for you know wind farms and." <laughs> 
it's just breathtaking, breathtaking how out in the open they are that you aren't going to own anything. Yeah, it's so brazen. Um, you know, when you hear these things like you will own nothing or we're going to seize these things, you kind of think of like, is this a conspiracy theory? Because there's no way the elite and the well-connected could be adv- advocating for the end of property rights. It but was, it was do, in his, yeah, his saying, quarterly report. It, that's what I'm saying. It's, <laughs> it's unbelievable. They are saying the quiet part aloud. If you do the research, it is everywhere. And the, the challenge is it's coming from everywhere every direction. So it's not like it's just one force that's coming at you. It's not just like it's the government or the Fed or the banking sector or the NGOs or big tech. It's everybody and all at once. And it's really interesting because if you think about how people used to or countries used to seize riches, right? They would go Mm -hmm. to war with other countries and they would take other people's riches. But this time it's your own government and everyone around you coming at you. They are at war with you. So, you know, this is this is the time that we have to get back. And this is why they've said for years it's a conspiracy theory because they needed to delay us from stopping it. You know, and only when the American people wake up and, I, you know, I, it, we're running out of time. I saw on Tucker Carlson, what, night before last, he's now all over de-dollarization, which I've been talking about that forever. And no one thought that was possible. And it's it's happening in exactly the way I thought it would when people felt the dollar was at the end and America was weak. They would come up with a better dollar. And that's what's happening. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about a new financial world order, this is something that happens on a regular basis. You know, we we have lived at a time where we are the center of the global financial universe. Yeah. So we feel like we're invincible. I'm sure that the British before us felt the same way and the yep. Dutch before them felt the same way. Yep. You don't have that perspective. But it, as the elite are seeing this new financial world order play out, they are jockeying to put themselves in position to control every possible resource and make sure in the process you own nothing. And that is the shift that we are seeing take place. The challenge that we have, Glenn, which as you know, we always see the trajectory. We just don't know the duration. We don't know if it's going to happen in six months and we don't know if it's going to take years, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be prepared right now because you just don't know. uh, Yesterday, the treasury came out and said, we need punitive action and more regulation on cryptocurrency. Uh, I mean, they are doing everything they can to kill cryptocurrency. Crypto is at 27 for Bitcoin now, 27,000. That's up. Gold was at, what, 240 yesterday? And Citibank is saying that they expect it soon to be at $2,300. That's craziness. Yeah, I mean, if you control the money, you control the people. So the people who are involved with governments and central banks around the world, they are going to fight to the death to make sure they do not lose control of the money. And the interesting thing for people who are interested in maintaining hard assets, um, like I am and and I know you are, is that, uh, you know, gold isn't really a center 
focus for them. They're very, very focused on cryptocurrency and they're going to take that interest in it and confuse people to move towards the central bank digital currency that you've been warning about and I've been warning about. And that's the number one thing that we all need to push back on because it needs congressional authorization. They are going to slip it in somewhere and we have to find out where and make sure that that doesn't pass. So they're going to slip it in somewhere in pieces or it's going to come when a bank crisis happens and it's over and then they'll just go on to the on television and say to everybody you got to do this it'll be tarp they'll just ram it through you can't have a a bank run if you don't have banks right i mean that that's going to be their arguments and we we need to say nope that 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 doesn't pass muster with us yeah um tell me i've been hearing about the job numbers and the job numbers came out today and they weren't so bad but i don't trust the job numbers (laughs) from the government well, let me tell you a couple of things about it. First of all, it was right about around expectations, 236,000 jobs added. Uh, again, if you believe that. The interesting piece, if you do a little bit of a digging, is that government really propped up that number. So this wasn't coming um, hugely from the private sector. The private sector was less than expected, but there were 47,000 government jobs added. So all of that Jeez. government spending is you know, propping up the economy and also working against what the Fed is trying to do. So I think that's really important. Another important piece, the unemployment rate. Wait, wait, wait. Down- Explain what you just said that goes against <laughs> what the Fed is trying to do. Explain that. So we know the Fed in raising rates is trying to destroy demand. They're trying to kill jobs so that they can slow inflation. Right. The government continuing to spend does not destroy demand. The government continuing to spend to add jobs does not slow that down. So the two of them are rowing in the wrong direction. And it's very frustrating because you have not seen the Fed come out and put this on the government and saying you have to stop your deficit spending. You need to slow down because you are working against the work that we're trying to do here in taming inflation. They just refuse to to put anything on the government which is creating a huge set of issues, which means the Fed's going to have to raise their interest rates even higher and have a longer term impact in terms of what I believe is going to be an eventual recession. So let's look at this from a different perspective entirely, because I I no longer give people the benefit of the doubt who are actively pushing ESG and everything else, um, (laughs) the World Economic Forum. They, They know they have a different agenda. So let me look at this with the eyes of the Treasury and the Fed and the White House. Their agenda is to make sure you own nothing and they own everything and you're a renter from the rest of your your rest of your existence. Um, What would be the advantage of doing this? You're running up, you're crushing the private sector, growing the government, spending out of control. You're raising the interest rates to try to keep up, but yet you're spending more so inflation keeps going. What is the end result of that? So, you know, it's it's hard to know intention. Some of it could just be stupidity and arrogance that, you know, we're going to continue to grow the government. We've never had problems before. It will eventually sort itself out. You know, they all believe in these, you know, ridiculous theories, modern monetary theory and the like. And even though we've proved them to be wrong, they figure, oh, that'll sort itself over time. But there could be something else going on. Um, Jared Bernstein, who was a advisor to President Obama, he's an advisor 
advisor to President Joe Biden, wrote a piece in the New York Times in 2014 called Dethrone King Dollar. And he basically was making the argument all the way back in 2014 that, oh, it's not so great to have this exorbitant privilege. We really don't want to be the center of the financial universe. Here are all the issues, which, by the way, there are some issues, but mm-hmm. there are a lot of privileges and a lot of benefits that oh, we yeah. reap from it. So, you know, there is a theory and a line to be drawn to say that they are intentionally trying to topple the dollar. And if you look at the weaponization of the dollar that was done um, against Russia during the invasion of Ukraine, when they decided to freeze Russia's reserve assets, Mm -hmm. if you look at these different behaviors, you look at the people around them who have been advocating from the inside to dethrone King Dollar since at least 2014, there is definitely an argument to be made that this is something that they want to happen. Now, again, they may think that they're going to then replace that with a digital dollar and it will all be hunky-dory but every time no they do something like this you know it goes sideways and we end right. up and as average americans suffering the repercussions and you would if you dethrone the dollar the reason why people are jumping on board is two reasons one they see weakness in america they don't know how long it lasts if i am right. a smaller com- country and i have to choose between the united states and china i might be moving to china if i'm just worried about my security and my country You know what I mean? Um, Because the United States looks weaker and weaker every single day. Uh, So if you are if you are moving over, you're doing it because you're a small country and you're just looking for stability and want to be on the winning side. Uh, or get the investment, the the Belt and Road Initiative. China's been making those investments. Correct. Piece of it as well. Correct. Uh, Or you are um, getting out because the dollar's been weaponized. See, that, that's the thing with a, a reserve currency. This is the downside for a country. You have to be uh, self-sacrificing on that dollar. You're, you are protecting the dollar sometimes against your own economy because the sound dollar is important, not just for you, but the entire world. Right. We well, have <laughs> destroyed it. Because we want more government and we're weaponizing it. That that makes the the gold standard being a dollar worthless. Well, think about for China. They are a net importer of food and oil, and these are commodities that are priced in dollars. So just like today when our dollar buys less, when it buys less for them, that means less food and oil they can buy for their country. That becomes a national economic yep an economic security issue for them as well. So they do have an argument there that says this isn't great for us as a country. It's not just that they're trying to flex their muscle as a superpower, which they are, by the way. So yeah. that's a, that's another third thing oh, yeah. is that they're all trying to, to topple the dollar because they want to come out on top. But this is a national and economic security. It threatens their food supply. It threatens their energy supply when you are dependent on the dollar and you have a Fed that will not manage the dollar for the stability of the world or by the way, for the stability of the U.S. Um, and you, you you see this trajectory happening. And, you know, these people who aren't doing their job, they don't want to depend on that. They cannot depend on that because it is the security of their country. You need to do your own homework uh, on what it means for a dollar or, you know, the sterling or the mark or whatever when they have collapsed in the past. It is not an easy thing. You get through it. 
But it is not an easy thing, especially if the government is hostile to its own people. Um, but it is a matter of when. It's not a matter of if anymore. Do you think I'm safe in saying that? I do. I think somebody should write a book about that. They should call it Too Low Nothing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and do the research for you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Carol. Um, my book is called Dark Future. Her book is You'll Own Nothing. They are two sides of the same coin. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. So here we are on Easter weekend. I have to ask you, is God real? Do you believe in God? It's really the fundamental question that we have to answer. Do we believe in God or not? And if we do believe him, then what are our duties? Is, is God real? And if God's not real, then everything we're fighting for, family, integrity, truth, it doesn't really matter. But if he is real, then this is the most important fight of our life and maybe for a couple of generations. So that's the question we have to answer. Do we believe, and I mean really believe, that God is real? I believe he is real. And because there's evidence all over. There are, you know, how do you explain the ancient biblical prophecies, you know, where you, where you're ever, where you're going to be able to buy and sell just with a number and it's going to be some something that's put in your forehead or your head. That seemed nuts. That's here. That is here. How there's never been a nation that has been dissolved and then prophesied to come back and, you know, 1900 years later pops back up. That's never happened before. In the Bible, um, God delivered his people from slavery in Egypt, but the Bible also said there's a greater exodus coming. Uh, Jeremiah said that God who brought his people out of Egypt uh, will bring his people out of the land to the north and all the countries he scattered them. That's what's happening right now, and most people don't know it. Jewish people are coming uh, out of the land to the north and all the countries that they were scattered in, and they are now immigrating to Israel in crazy numbers. This is the modern exodus, and I wanted to get... Uh, Reverend Gary uh, Cristofaro on, uh, on, he's from the Ezra International Group. He's working on it. He's seen it uh, firsthand. Welcome. Reverend, how are you, sir? Thank you, Glenn. I'm great. Uh, thank you for having me on, and uh, thank you for calling this day of prayer and fasting. You're welcome. Um, uh, the modern exodus, What make the case that we're seeing this biblical prophecy come true right now. Well, you, you said it. The, the Israel exists. The Jewish people exist. That in itself, to me, is, is evidence that God is real and God is faithful. The, the words that he spoke, you read the prophecy, they, those were 2,700 years ago. Uh, he spoke of a day that we would, we would look at a, an exodus from the land of the north and all the nations of the world as a greater miracle than that of the first exodus. And we're seeing that. We're, we're involved in that. Right before our eyes, Jewish people are coming from the four corners of the earth. And, you know, Ezra's, Ezra's responding to another prophecy uh, from Isaiah who says he will beckon to the nations and the Gentiles, people like you and I, Glenn, that can help carry them to the land of Israel. 
So, um, what is Aliyah? Is that how you, or Aliyah? Is that uh, how you say uh, Ali, Aliyah. Aliyah? Aliyah. What is, is that? Yeah. Well, it's a Hebrew term that means to ascend. To means to go up, and it, and it has much more meaning than that. Just just to not just going up in elevation, but it's a, a spiritual ascent, and it has become synonymous with the idea of Jewish people returning to the land of Israel, and in particular Jerusalem, when you ever you go there, you're making a spiritual ascent. So Aliyah just has become synonymous with the return of Jewish people to the land of Israel. Okay, so is that the same as, you know, because I know a lot of people go when they're young and they want to make a trip to Israel and uh, they may even live there for a little while, but they go back home. Is that the same thing? Well, it, you know, the, the word Aliyah can be, mean go up to the Bima at, in, a, in a synagogue. It can mean making a pilgrimage. But really, in this case, we believe that going and staying and making Israel your home is the full uh, you know, definition of making Aliyah. So why do you suppose is the war in Ukraine helping these numbers? I mean, people dismiss prophecy or they dismiss miracles because they're like well that's just because that happened well yeah but that's how god works <laughs> yeah, every 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 practical every prophecy is fulfilled in a practical way correct and and you know so uh, initially some jewish people there there's this homing pigeon spirit that that ignites within them and they decide they're going to make the move and they just do that on their own with you know i believe prompting from the spirit of god but then there are other factors like the war in ukraine like economic collapse in a country, like anti-Semitism, persecution, all these things help push Jewish people from their temporary sanctuary, whatever nation they might be in, and then and they end up going to Israel. But this is unlike you've ever seen before, and you've been doing this for years. Yeah, well, the war in Ukraine definitely uh, increased Aliyah, uh, and not only from Ukraine. And you know, we've we've helped yeah. almost twelve thousand refugees from Ukraine, but Russian Jewish people I are being invested. Yeah, yeah, they're seeing the writing on the wall. I mean, I have and, to, I have to tell you, you know, we are going back in time to some scary, scary times, uh, especially yeah. with Iran. If Iran becomes a leader in the Middle East, God help us all between Iran and Russia. Um, but uh, if I were Jewish, uh, I mean, I said to Benjamin Netanyahu, I can't get citizenship in your country. I want citizenship in Israel <laughs> because I feel like in the end, they're going to be the ones that stand. They, The people who are going know what time it is, and they know they're going to be fighting good versus evil. And the rest of the world seems confused on that. Yes, they do. I think that, that we need that moral clarity. And I think uh, Benjamin Netanyahu has that uh, good versus evil. And, you know, being in the land uh, is, is amazing. Uh, this, you know, the story of Esther, you know, what, what was what happened there at the end of, of Esther? God didn't just automatically deliver them. He gave them the ability to defend themselves. And that's right. what Israel is. I spoke to a good friend of mine in Israel. He said, you know, in the nations, they can come and kill me, but here they're going to have to fight me. So uh, how can we help you? 
Well, Glenn, I mean, they, as you know, the demand is great. These these are impoverished Jewish people who who need uh, our help. Ezra International comes along beside the the uh, the Jewish people that are trying to go through this process, and um, we help them with finances. We help them with document research and transportation, all the practical things that happened prior to them getting on a plane. Um, so I, I just ask your audience if they could go to EzraInternational.org and uh and and make their best gift uh as international.org uh we we could we can the numbers as you say are increasing and we could use every cent so i'm i'm painting a painting right now i don't know you probably don't know i'm an artist but um I've heard, uh, yes. i i'm painting something and i haven't known until right now why i was painting it i am painting the uh what is it? Uh, I can't remember the designation. It wasn't uh, USS. It was the St. Louis. It may be the, just the oh, yeah. U.S. St. Louis. And I'm painting it um, at either sunrise or sunset, and the Statue of Liberty is is behind it. And I know they didn't go to New York, but they came to America with a dream of protection because there wasn't an Israel. And, mm. um, uh, and it is the ship with the sunset or sunrise behind the Statue of Liberty, and I'm calling it false hope because mm. that hope of people standing up and saying, hey, we've got to help these people. Uh, I can't imagine being on that ship, seeing America's land, and then not being able to get off the ship, and then that mm. long trip back. It was horrible. Um, I, I'm going to finish it, and I'd like to... Uh, donate it. I'll, I'll auction it off so you guys can take all the proceeds, uh, oh, Glenn, if you don't that's, mind. That's no, that's incredible. That is incredible, and it's so profound what you're describing. You know, I often say each year when we we have a Yom Hashoah memorial, and people say never again. Well, the Aliyah is the answer to the make it never is. again, not just the slogan, but but a reality. No, it is. I mean. You know, I have often thought as an American citizen, I'm not married to uh, the flag. I'm married to the principles that are in our Constitution, and they come from their Judeo-Christian values. That's what I'm married to. And if there was a country that made men more free and had a better mission statement than we hold these things to be self-evident, I wouldn't. I'd go. I'd go. But there Mm -hmm. is no Mm -hmm. place to go. Um, when it comes to Jewish people, I got to tell you, I, I just f- I fear we are headed right back to the same old kind of horrors. Luckily, people, Christians like you and others are standing up this time. May we never sit down. May we never lose our courage. Um, but boy, I, I mean, get out of Europe, get out of Europe and go to Israel. Amen. Amen. And that's why we're, we're, you know, we're working in, in all these former Soviet Union countries in Europe and even South America because uh, anti-Semitism and, uh, and uh, you know, it, it spans the globe. Uh, it's, uh, you're right, Glenn. I mean, it's time to go home. Uh, EzraInternational.org. You want to be a part of a miracle this weekend. Do you believe in God? I do. I have been... I've been begging the Lord for quite a while. Help me with an answer, Lord. And uh, I, I finally know the answer. And 
A lot of people aren't going to like it, and they're going to think that it's, you know, well, yeah, but what else are we going to do? Nothing else. Humble, humble yourself. Make a, make a covenant with God that you are on his team. He's never going to be on our team. And then serve your fellow men, as Franklin said, that is, puts you in the service of your God. Children doing anything we can to save children's lives, to save from this medical mutilation, anything we can do to help Jewish people, do it. Do it. We need every blessing we can get from the Almighty. Um, go to EzraInternational.org and please make a donation. Prophecy is being fulfilled right now. Be a part of this. EzraInternational.org. Thank you so much, Gary. God bless. Thank you. God bless you, guys. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Jonathan, welcome back to the program, sir. Hey, great to be back, Glenn. I want to go in. Yesterday, we talked about the Dark Trinity, which was uh, uh, Baal or Baal and um, Moloch. And the other one was, uh, I want to say, Ishtar, right? Yeah, Ishtar or Ashtar in the Bible, the Enchantress. Okay. So now there is a, and I don't know if I understand this correctly. There is a, is this another God or another side? Uh, Yeah. uh, Go ahead. It's it's another side. This is, this is the second one. This is the Enchantress. Uh, This is Ishtar or Ashtora or Aphrodite. Um, And there's another side to her. And that's why in the book, you know, yeah, it's, it's as the transformer. And the reason is it's such a major thing. There was another side, and that is that when I looked at the ancient inscriptions about this goddess, she says that, I am a woman, I am a man. In the, in the hymns to her, it says you have the power to turn a man into a woman and to turn a woman into a man. So now look at what we're dealing with right now. Yeah, this is the, this is the, the power, the principality that bends gender, destroys gender, merges gender, confuses gender. And the thing is, this is also the same principality that is of the sexual revolution. So this couldn't come at the beginning. It's too radical. But once this spirit gets in our culture, once marriage starts weakening, once the sexual revolution goes full blast, then we get to the deeper stage. And that's where we are right now. That's why we're dealing with it. This is the issue. Again, all over the culture, it is to bend, destroy, to basically end gender. And that's exactly what she did in ancient times. As part of paganism, it's back. So it is, you know, what's crazy, uh, Jonathan, is I can't thank you enough for doing all of this research and writing this book. Because I've known pieces of this, and I just haven't had time to put it all together like you have. Um, And when you, once you start to see it, you, if you believe in God, you, you can't really dismiss it because you can't. There's no way to logically explain how we've gone in five years to from a country that said, no, that's a dude in a dress and it's fine. It's a dude in a dress to uh, that's absolutely a woman. And how dare you say anything different? He can get pregnant and he can have a period. What? Yeah, it's 
it's not rational. And not that, rational even, at all. Even even people who are not believers are saying it's not rational. And the thing is that it is, but it exactly makes sense. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Correct. Know? And and the you know the God is basically it says she grinds away the masculinity of men. And and so the first thing is that it's not just in the sexual realm; it's in every realm. We have the spirit and the culture which basically hates masculinity, hates men. You know, everything that is of man is toxic. Fatherhood is you know out. This is the principality that took basically divorces men from fatherhood, men from marriage, men from ma- manhood, men from women. And at the same time, it says that you know that she also takes women away from men and masculinizes or defeminizes women. And actually, this this principality, this goddess, was a technically female with male attributes. And so this whole thing, this spirit, is in our culture. And now we're kind of seeing the tail end of it. The other thing is that you mentioned something. You know, one of the the ancient inscription says that she dresses men as women. She dresses a woman as a man. So she had an ancient priesthood, and the priest basically was men who walked around her temple dressed up as women, basically acting like women, And they would, listen, this is a public temple. They would bring children to the men who were dressed in drag, basically. So when you see this now, oh you see my what's happening. It is, you know, we don't even know what we're doing. They don't even know what they're doing, but it is exactly replaying the priesthood of this goddess. And to go even further, we said, you know, we were talking last, yesterday, that, you know, Jesus gave the warning. He said, when these spirits come back, they come back worse. Well, back then, she basically possessed her priesthood. Now she's seeking to possess an entire generation of children. She is seeking to confuse them. She is seeking, you know, where once they were led in the Lord's Prayer in school, they are now led to transition into the other sexuality. And speaking of that, you know, it says you turn a man into a woman. Some of her priests were literally surgically transitioned. And so it comes from that. They actually, there's actually an inscription, I put it in the Return of the Gods, where it says they dance, the transition men dance before her, carrying scalpels, celebrating their transition. So now we're watching parents, you know, and, and teachers transitioning children, and, you know, even, even again, even liberals, non-believers are saying, what would possess a, an adult to do that? Well, this would possess them. I have to tell you, Jonathan, I, I should sit down with you and, and share something because you would have the time to look at this. I, I talked to a, the, a guy who was a, a professor at Cambridge, and he had his doctorate of ideas. I had never even heard of that. I thought it was the greatest. He takes things that seemingly are not connected, and he shows the connection from all of these things. And that I've always felt like that's kind of what I'm good at. And I told him, look, I think I can take the story of the Holocaust, I can tell you where the next one is going to originate from, and I can track it all the way back to Abraham. And he said, no way you can do that. And I spent 90 minutes with him explaining. He said, you should get your doctorate of ideas just based on that. Um, I'd love to sit down some point, just talk to you privately about it, because the, the secret to that is each time it comes back, and the same is here. Each time it comes back, the people are convinced that it's just their culture. It's reasonable for some reason or another up until the very end. Um, and it's just the right thing to do. They don't know the history. And so they dismiss this as a force of evil that thinks it's got it right this time. 
Yeah, this, this, we have a short memory, you know, I mean, and, and that's understandable, you know, because we don't, we don't think in thousands of years, and we don't see this unless you're looking, and, and the problem is because you don't, if you don't see it, you just kind of get, go along, and here's the next step, and the next step, uh, things you never would have accepted just a few years ago. Example, you know, that, that you know, one of the things that this goddess did, or this transforming uh, enchantress, what she did is she actually, she was the goddess of parades. She had, she, it says, I looked at the ancient inscription, she caused men to parade as women through the city streets, women to parade as men through the city streets, uh, the, the great color and licentiousness, well, it's back. And actually, the thing that ended it was actually the gospel. You know, and we don't realize this. And then the other thing is that she took possession of one month in the year. This, this, is, this is paganism. One month of the year. What month? I looked at the writings of St. Jerome, because it was still happening then, and he identifies it in Latin as the month of Iunium, or the month of June. June was the month of this goddess. She took possession. She's the goddess of pride. And so it's the pride month. And we don't even realize that this is when you take God out. This is what comes back. Oh, my gosh. It's so amazing. You have to read this book. It's called The Return of the Gods by Jonathan Kahn. It'll blow you away. Um, We're going to continue here in a minute. Just give me 60 seconds back with Jonathan Kahn. By the way, you grab this book, The uh, Return of the Gods, anywhere books are sold. Uh, Or you can uh, also go to his uh, website, which I believe is booksbyjonathancon.com. Booksbyjonathancon.com. Na, 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 na. 